0: Brother Christensen, welcome to Mormon Discussion. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thanks for letting me talk to you. Good. glad to have you on. Glad to have this chance to, to speak to you. Uh, wondered if you might, before we get to the movie, I wondered if you might, um, begin just by giving us a brief bio about yourself so that I think, I think many of the listeners are going to be familiar with you and some of the movies you've put out. But, uh, for those who perhaps are not, just give them maybe a brief bio about yourself.
1: No, I've never done anything but make movies. I've never had any other job. And so I can't tell you a whole list of other things. I just came right out of school going into movies and um, mostly known for I've done quite a few IMAX large format films, National Geographic and uh, Disney and a few other pictures like that. And then I've made quite a few feature films. And, uh, of course, uh, I have a long list of a church LDS films that I've been involved with, as well as films that are just kind of uh, faith-based.
0: Would Would you mind uh, telling us some of the the LDS movies that you've uh, that you've worked on, just so that listeners will get a feel for some of the the movies that they've seen that uh, maybe they haven't connected the dots to your name, but but uh, might uh, then recognize some of your work. Well, so
1: I, I have worked a lot as a cinematographer, the director of photography. I'm moving. I'm doing more directing now, but as a director of photography. I shot Testaments, I shot and co-directed uh, Joseph Smith, Prophet of the Restoration. Um, on my own, I did Seventeen Miracles, Ephraim's Rescue, and I've made a, a really a, kind of a long list of short faith-based films, like uh, The John Tanner Story, um, uh, Only a Stone Cutter, uh, A Pioneer Miracle, The Pump, a lot of those kind of, But these days i'm i'm trying to do more of the films that i want to make and so hence comes here comes the cokeville miracle
0: yeah so let's talk about that for a minute the cokeville miracle uh, this is a movie you've got that's about to uh, about to release Jim, yeah. Um, yeah so tell us a little bit about this
1: Well, the the synopsis of the story is that in 1986, almost exactly 29 years ago, a, a nut and his wife took over the elementary school in that little town of 525 people. He was able to get the entire student body and quite a few adults, 154 people total, into one classroom, and he held them there for two and a half hours with guns and a bomb. He wanted a ransom. He wanted who knows what. He was crazy. After two and a half hours, the bomb went off, actually kind of accidentally, but as a result of the explosion and what happened afterwards, only two people died. It was the perpetrator, David Young, and his wife, Doris. All of the kids, all of the adults got out. Some of them had some burns, but uh, none of them uh, died because of the incident. Well, that's really just the setup to the story, because what then occurred and that I wanted to concentrate on is that in the days and the weeks following the event, several of the kids began to talk to their parents, and they would say things like, Mom, you know why I got out of that room, okay, is because there was a lady in white and she stood by me and told me what to do uh, and protected me. So that idea of these kids being blessed and helped in a spiritual heavenly way, is what we spent quite a bit of the time in the film going uh, about and kind of analyzing what these kids said as it relates to their safety and getting out of it. When
0: uh, when I've watched movies in the past that have been based on true stories, or perhaps a book was written about the event first, and then and then a movie comes out, I'm often um, I often discover that the the movies will tend to embellish things or tend to to stray away from the facts of the stories at time timeout. Just one example, the other side of heaven that Disney did on a missionary from the church, J- John H. Groberg. And the, the book version of him writing the story versus the, the movie version, just apples and oranges at certain points in the movie. Uh, my question for you is, how close to the actual events does uh, your portrayal of the movie stay?
1: I really don't. I wouldn't say that I uh, came up with and changed events. Of course, I come up with dialogue. Because we don't know what a lot of these people were saying and so forth, and we you know I interject some humor to try to give some pacing to the film and that kind of thing. But you know I think if if you talk to uh, the survivors, especially those that have kind of been involved with it over the years, they would tell you that it's it's pretty accurate. Of course, I take a point of view. That's movie-making, and I I arrange the story in the way that I feel like tells the best story. But, yeah, I didn't really come in and just start making up stuff and whoop-dee-doo. You know, I'm trying to tell a true story.
0: So working on on this movie and realizing you've got a a whole load of other work behind you that you've done on other things with with films from various capacities – Uh, What made this one different? What was your experience in putting this one together that maybe separates it from the others?
1: Well, I've done quite a few pioneer-era films, and a difference there is they're all dead. That was 160 years ago kind of stuff, and now I'm doing what's basically a contemporary film, and I'm dealing with a lot of people that have opinions about this, and I'm able to interview them, and I did. We talked to a lot of people about their point of view and uh, you know what they like and don't like about the story and about a possible movie so it took a lot of extra time in that way but it made the research kind of more palatable and I could I could talk to people instead of just only having a journal entry from a hundred years ago Uh, and then in filming it of course we're we're trying to tell a contemporary story and so i don't have to deal with horses which is (laughs) horses are hard people don't just think oh you go out and you film horses but this was fun i had cars and people that's a lot easier in that way to to deal with
0: (laughs) um and that is and that is kind of neat to hear uh how each movie goes together a little differently. Uh, what caused you to select this story? I mean, this, this is such a unique story. And, and in the next question, I want to talk to you a little bit about how little we've really heard of this uh, event up until the last few years. Mm-hmm. But what caused uh, you, uh, as a director to, to put this one together to pick this story and make something about it?
1: Well, I'm, dr- I'm story driven. You know, I don't decide, okay, next I want to make a film that happens in uh, 100 years or I want to make a film on this subject. I just look for stories that I find riveting and touching and then I start to explore them. And I'm the screenwriter as well, so I typically start the script and see if I feel like I can make something out of it. And this was a story that I at first I, I wasn't sure about it and I jumped in started writing the script and it only took a couple of weeks and then I I thought I like this I think this is uh, worth telling and then we made the jump and said yeah let's let's go after this
0: yeah it really is a, a fascinating story and that's why I want to kind of play off that idea that this is really a, a you know a story that kind of just Grabs your attention right away and you want to know what happened. You want to know how everything unfolded. But this event happened in 1986 and yet it, it feels like to me and to some others that I've talked to about this event that up until the last year or two that uh, I've, I've essentially heard nothing of the Cokeville miracle. And yet in the last year or two, all of a sudden we're hearing about it. But yet this occurred, you know, you know, this is 25 years ago. Um, 29,
1: yeah. Right. But why me, do great
0: stories well yeah, I was gonna say why do great stories like this never get told and, and why do some of these things seem to just not grab anybody's attention?
1: Well, I'll tell you my idea about that is it was a big news story and it was boom boom on the news and national coverage and this side of it really of course didn't start coming out until days and weeks and, and sometimes months later. Well by that time the news you know, it's it's an old story and they don't follow that. And quite a bit of the coverage of the story was kind of just sensational stuff. I mean, it's a guy with a bomb and he's captured a whole elementary and kids. So there's a lot of drama going on with that. And I think that... Uh, there was just no forum for this spiritual side of it to come out as well now it 's really not true that there wasn 't anything heard about it until a year or so ago there were There was an episode on um, Unsolved Mysteries, um, some other television shows where they kind of delve into spiritual, mystic kind of things and what happened in Cokeville because there's all these stories. And those were done, some of them, only in a few few years after this happened. I, I think the increase in the last year is us. Because of course we promote the film and we're making a movie, and that that tends to attract attention. But those kids, you can go on the internet and find several of them as still kids telling the same story that they told me, and that we're putting in
0: the movie. Excellent, excellent. I uh, I wanted to ask, I guess, one tough question to throw at you. My, my the listeners to this podcast are Latter Day Saints who who tend to. Look at the church maybe a little differently than the average member and they're, and they're sometimes having a hard time with something they discover in church history and they, they tend to be skeptical at times of spiritual things. And as I've done my research for this interview and, and listened to another podcast on the Cokeville Miracle, as I've uh, looked at different uh, articles online regarding the story, I remember listening to a podcast in a, uh, for a, a series called Radiolab where they talk about memory and how memory can change and how when, when people are constantly recalling events that even though they think they're, the way they're recalling it is the way it happened, it's slightly changing over time. Mm-hmm. And the idea that these kids are all, you know, and I shouldn't say all, but a, a chunk of these children are claiming to have seen angels and yet. From what I've read, the stories of what they're seeing are a little different from kid to kid. You know, some of the kids said they saw uh, a woman. Other kids said that there were multiple angels. Um, Just, I guess, the tough question to you as a skeptic looking at this, what is it about this story that says, hey, there's really something else going on here? This isn't just explained away as, you know, one kid says he saw something and all of a sudden all the other kids are picking up on it.
1: Well, uh, yeah, that's a great question. And i it's really one of the things that attracted me to this story is there's been several kind of you know, spiritual journeys that somebody told about and they've had and even movies have been made about in the last several years. And then they find out it was, I don't know if a hoax is the right word, but it really, the person eventually admits that they made it up. Well, one of the great things I thought of this story Is that it's really quite a few of these kids. It's not just one kid. Mouth of two or three witnesses makes a big difference, you know, that they, uh, there, there was, I believe I, I have eight uh, on record as saying they saw, heard something that, that kind of a spiritual experience. Well, eight's a lot more than one. And then the second thing about that is that All of these kids talk to their parents about it in the days and the weeks following. Well, I talked to their parents, and their parents remail what was said at the time. So here comes, you know, at least they're witnesses of what the kids said at that time. And it cooperates with still what they're talking about now. And, of course, there's, you know, differences. There were a few scenes where I was told by a few people different ways that, that, Oh, the scene would come about, uh, and it was I had to just kind of pick one of them. But they weren't talking about the actual miracle of what, say, a kid saw. It was just like who did they tell first, and what were they do when they said it? Were they running through the room playing and just stopped and said it, or were they sitting there in a the discussion? It was those kind of things that really aren't that important to the truthfulness of the story. Uh, so uh, that these parents. They are. They stand as a witness too. Whether that this is what their kids said, and so boy, you get counting that, and you're getting into a lot of people that are corroborating these stories. When you ask about, you know, that they saw different things, I think that's a fascinating part of this. Um, some, one child said that that he saw these angels, and they, you know, they were they just
0: looked. He didn't
1: mention like an age. And then another one, an angel he saw, was old because he pointed out a picture of her and she was old. Some of them said that they were all in white, that they looked like light bulbs. And then another uh, lady, as a child, she said that the woman that helped her, she was just dressed like a normal person. And I've had people uh, have said to me, having seen the film, why are you doing that? You're showing all these different ways that the kids saw the angels. you got to be consistent. And and I, I thought about that when I did the interview and how I was going to handle it. And it didn't take me very long to realize I'm, I'm not going to change what the kids said. I'm going to put on the screen the way they described it. And if one said that the lady that helped her was in a blue sweater, then that's what we're going to do. And another one said that it was an older lady, then that's what we're going to do. Now, my own view of that is that I think that those kids were given what worked for them. Uh, the, the boy that saw an older lady, you know, then he identified her later in a fo- family photo book. Well, if he had seen her as a 26-year-old, I don't think they didn't have a, a picture of the lady as a 26-year-old. They never would have made the connection, but they had a picture of her as a, as a grandma. And I, I just, I, just that, I have no problem with that, that we see what relates to us. You know, this experience is, I think it's kind of like uh, in 2 Kings chapter 6, where Elijah prayed. And he said, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw and beheld the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. This is the experience where, you know, he's being protected by heavenly beings. And he saw a mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. Well, why would spiritual horses need to be there? That, that You know, in a logical sense, and chariots of fire, that did not make any difference. They, these are some kind of angels. They can defend whatever they want. What do they need a horse for? But I think in that day, to see a horse was a symbol of power and battle and war. It helped to have horses, and I think he was given what what made sense to him. I think it was the same thing with these kids.
0: Yeah, it does seem interesting. It's more than just saying, you know, one kid is all of a sudden coming up with this false memory and then the other kids begin to pick up on it and repeat it. It's almost as if having a multitude of stories of, um, of, you know, descriptions of the event being different from each kid almost in some ways adds credibility to the story.
1: Yeah, I have no problem with that. And, and you know, I, I'm practical about this. Maybe some kid did change his story a little bit or, I don't know, whatever, because he heard another kid had said something. I'm not saying that couldn't have or didn't happen, but I don't think over, over eight people and the parents and all of this that's gone on over the years, I don't think it happened to every one of them. That to me that that takes a bigger jump, leap of faith to believe that than to than what I believe that these kids actually saw something.
0: Right in the room, if I'm not mistaken, was the number that there's 154 children gathered together. Was that what the number was?
1: Well, it's 154 people, okay. so there's there's about 136 children. Okay,
0: of the 136 children and the the 20 you know 21 adults or so that were in that group uh do we know roughly how many of you said you just mentioned the number 8 do we know roughly how many of of these 154 people uh, later on said yeah i saw something
1: well yeah it's about the 8 that's all i've been able to to kind of figure although you know there's stages of this i mean you have kids who s- said they saw angels then you have A child who says a lady helped her out of the room then you have kids who hear a voice and then maybe below that you have people who just have feelings like they just felt they should go over by the window which is what became the safe place because they were immediately picked up and thrown out the window. And then you have people who just felt calm and they felt like, if, you know, I, I, this is going to be okay. I mean, they're in there with a crazy man or whatever, and they have these feelings. So, yeah, you've only got eight that were, I'm going to put in this classified section of these seeing these real miracles. But you've got a lot of these people that if you get down into the feelings section of it, which I think, you know, that's worth mentioning and counts too.
0: So June 5th, the Cokeville Miracle comes out. Um, how's your testimony, Brother Christensen, how's your testimony been affected, uh, by, you know, working on movies and, and working with movies that have a, a spiritual message in them? You've just been involved in so many films, both, both within LDS context and even outside of that. Um, I was just looking at some of the things that you've, uh, part- you know, that you've, that you've been a part of. Uh, and when I look at movies like Forever Strong, uh, and there's, you know, there's a host of others. There's, uh, as I'm looking here at the uh, filmography of things that you've worked on, I think there's 66 different, uh, productions that you've been a part of. But each of these in some way have been some kind of spiritual message or context. Uh, how's that blessed your life or what, what have you taken away from those things or how has your testimony been affected?
1: Well, I have to admit to you, Bill, actually, I've spent a lot of my career just working on secular kind of films and commercials and things like that, but I do cherish these that I think have more meaning, and as I get older, I'm pushing myself that way to things that I think matter and will last. To me, testimony-wise, it's like drops in a bucket. You know, I've never done one movie or had one incident where all of a sudden, Wow! I'm gonna. I believe that kind of a feeling. I get drops, and every film, I just get a little more, and I have feelings, and I see things as we work, and we try to tell a faith-based or spiritual story that I feel good about, and it strengthens me, and and strengthens my commitment that I want to. Uh, do what's right and spend my time trying to help others along a, a good path, like um, I hope these films can take.
0: Excellent. We're talking today with TC Christensen, uh, director of the Cokeville Miracle, which comes out uh, on the 5th of June. Uh, one last question for you: What's uh, what's next on your list after this? Is there something else you're already kind of uh, beginning to plan out? Is there other things from you that we can begin to to get excited about and look <laughs> forward to beyond this uh, this exciting movie that's coming out here soon?
1: You know, for me, the the choice of the story is the most important thing that I do. I mean, how many times have you come out of a movie and you go, who thought that was going to be good? Well, it's because I think sometimes people don't choose a good story. And so I put a lot of time into that. I have several thoughts. I'm thinking about now but I really haven't gone through the process yet like I was telling you before where I have scripted it and stand back and say is this really good enough? Is this something that's going to touch people and be successful? So I I, I maybe in another two two or three months I'll have a better answer for you on that Bill. Let me also comment too though, Um, I want people to know that the Cokeville Miracle uh, is not a nationwide release uh, it's the Mountain West. Then we're in quite a few bigger cities. Uh, Las Vegas is not one of them, but Arizona, um, s- uh, Southern California, Dallas, Atlanta, Spokane, Sacramento. We're in quite quite a few bigger cities, but we're hoping to get s- some traction, get some people to come and see it, and then grow from there. That's how it works with small independent films.
0: Well, I, I expect this to be a giant success. I know that uh, where I work and in my uh, my circle of Uh, friends and acquaintances. There's already been quite a bit of stir about uh, this. I know at uh, my place of employment, we've already had two or three people on separate occasions, unconnected to each other, mention that the Cokeville Miracle is coming out and what a fascinating story it was. And people were jumping on the computer to try to read a little bit of like Wikipedia and other places that tell the story, just kind of the bare facts. And we're really excited, uh, Brother Christensen, to see the the, this, uh, as a cinema, you know, as a cinema production and uh, looking forward to the movie. Just encourage the listeners to, to check it out and to support brother Christensen and the great work that he does. Uh, brother Christensen, thank you so much for being on today and uh, just appreciate you giving us your time.
1: Hey, it's fun to talk to you, Bill. We'll hope to see you at the theater.
2: Come thou fount of every blessing. I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Here by thy great help I've come And I hope